Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're back in the podcast studio with another special guest. It's been a couple of weeks since we had a guest. I say live here in air quotes because we are recording this, but coming to us here in the podcast studio in Seymour, Connecticut, all the way from Oregon. I was going to say Portland, but I don't know if OHSU is in Portland. Yeah, it is in Portland. I'm getting a thumbs up. Dr. Jonathan Brody, who is the vice chair of research and also the associate director of the Pancreatic Cancer Center at OHSU. Welcome to the Project Purple Podcast, Dr. Brody. Thanks so much for uh, having me here, Dino. It's a real honor and it's a real honor to get to know um, and even be involved at all with uh, Project Purple with the amazing work you've all done. Well, thank you. And, and full disclosure, as I always say on the podcast, we always are full disclosure. I'm going to call you John because we're friends. Jonathan and I have been talking for quite some time. We got introduced. Um, really, I we reached. I reached out to him. We started this dialogue. He's a huge 76ers fan. I don't know if we'll get to that today on the podcast. That might be another podcast. But we're excited. I'm excited to have you on. We're excited to have you on because you're doing some great things. Um, there at OHSU. I'd say new, but I know you've been there a little while, but because of the pandemic, uh, it's probably seemed a little bit longer, but you've been in the PC space for a long time, doing some great things. And we're really excited to have you here on the podcast to talk about that. And we will get to that, but what is complimentary and what is customary that we always do on this podcast is the first segment we always hand the mic over to our guests to share kind of their background. I know before we hit record, I said to you, you know, in this segment, it's it's really on you to, you know, go as far back, stay as high level as you want. Um, and with that, I'm going to hand it over to you to give our audience your background, what got you into pancreatic cancer space, where you did your fellowship, residency, and how you got to OHSU because you didn't, you just got there, as we said, but you were a couple other places before that. So with that, the mic is yours, Dr. Brody. Thank you, Dina. I'll try to match your energy, which is amazing. And, and part of the reason why I love being in this community is not only it's, it's such an honor to work for our patients and work for the survivors um, to try to make everyone's life better. And, and hopefully, like you said, make this, you know, make this podcast so we'll turn it into an MBA podcast because we'll, someday we'll find a cure for this thing. And, you know, it, it, it sort of joking around, but I, part of just a little inside to my soul and bringing it back to basketball. I think when I was in Philadelphia, one of the things that I really kind of fell in love, fell in love with the Sixers team, even though people hated them, I love the phrase, trust the process. And I, and I kind of feel like, obviously we, we, we can joke around about the Sixers and, and, you know, from, from all the complicated things that we're dealing with, with life, it's a nice distraction, but I really like kind of that metaphor for even for doing research and even for everything that we're doing and that you're doing for the disease and what the community's doing that it's really hard to be patient, right? Especially when we have um, loved ones and people we've seen who have passed away from the disease to really trust the process. Um, so I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself and my lab and the community that we need to do better. So I want to start off by sort of saying that, that I love the challenge. I think it's an incredible challenge, um, you know, and um, I got into this, you know, I would say this to the, to, to my best, you know, my, my best friend that, you know, if you didn't have to be involved or study in this disease, you know, study this disease, you shouldn't be able to do it. But I think early on, I got really um, intellectually charged by it. And then as it went on, it sort of affected some people in my life and, and, and family. And so it added a little, became, it became personal. So I'll be, I'll, I'll try to be brief about my sort of narrative here is that as sort of a preamble. Um, I, you know, when, when, when I first got into like thinking about education or everything, everything else, and now that I'm a parent, I sort of understand that you kind of just want your, your kids, right. To be happy and healthy. Um, I actually fancied myself a musician, um, believe it or not. And um, I got into college basically on a music scholarship. And so, but I quickly learned in my first few days in college when um, I went up, you know, it was in New York and there were some, some great musicians from 
New York City who came up, I quickly learned that basically it was like me basically showing up to, you know, practice with the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels or the Blue Devils. I, I quickly learned that in my small town in Maryland, I was maybe the drummer, but I was not a great drummer. <laughs> So um, the reason I bring that story up is because I was really intellectually involved in the idea of music. I mean, kind of the way I, I can tell Dino that even though we talk mostly about pancreatic cancer, that when we do have a second to talk about basketball, I do see that me and you try to intellectualize it and look for details and talk about the plays and the players and stuff. And so I was like that with music. And I quickly learned early on that science could be an outlet that maybe I was maybe good at, or I had a mind for. And it was the same thing that I could learn the scales like in music and try to be creative with that. And I could learn the knowledge and science and try to be creative with that. So I, I quickly moved into science. I went into a laboratory of Steve Rosenberg, um, who's a really famous tumor immunologist at NIH, NIH and realized kind of as a late bloomer that I wanted to go into science and then ended up at Johns Hopkins did my graduate work and now I'm going to get really fast on the summary, but I ended up in a laboratory as a postdoc when I got my PhD after my PhD with Scott Kern, who um, many in the field still who are like older like me, but the young, the young people in the field don't realize he, he was, I really view him as kind of a parent or father of uh, pancreatic cancer genetics. You know, he really described the region of BRCA1, BRCA2, um, he, he found DPC4, SMAD4 as a gene that was mutated in pancreatic cancer. And this was before all this high omic stuff that we talked about, sequencing everything else. This was really rolling up your sleeves and, and doing what we would call gene um, jockeying. And, and, and this was like a real golden era of um, DNA sequencing. And so since I postdoc with him in, in the mid-2000s, I made a connection with one of the, you know, um, most prolific pancreatic surgeons and well-known pancreatic surgeons on the East Coast who worked off of John Cameron, um, Charles Yeo. And Charles Yeo started his department at Jefferson and he wanted me to sort of get a pancreatic program going. And so for about a dozen years, um, we, we, you know, I think made some really nice discoveries and, and um, moved, you know, you know, kind of push the field a little bit in our world. And, and actually before I left, we actually set up a clinical trial. Um, and then I got connected at Oregon Health and Science University, as you mentioned, with um, some of my colleagues here through some of the work we're doing like um, and, and know of them very well. And I don't wanna make this a name dropping thing, but like Rosie Sears and um, Lisa Cousins. And um, there's a really great uh, junior faculty here named Mara Sherman. And Brett Shepard's a you know a great surgeon here, and Charlie Lopez. So I, and anyway, I don't want to list everyone, but it's a great center here. And sure enough, I kind of thought of this: it could be very transformative for me to work with a group because I do believe in team science. Bringing it back to basketball, I think science is really a team team game, if you will. If you're going to move things forward, you not don't just need scientists, but you need clinicians. Um, and so it just so happened, as you mentioned, I it was there was a position open for the vice chair of research in the Department of Surgery, and then they, uh, there was an associate director position open at the at Brendan Colson Center for Pancreatic Care, and um, the Knight Cancer Institute's great here. And so I was lucky to bring a couple of uh, my students were willing to move from Philadelphia to Portland uh, during the pandemic. That's a, maybe a whole other podcast. Podcast <laughs> we were supposed to move April twenty twenty. Um, not just the lab, but the family. Um, so we actually started here June, 2020. So I took the, uh, a couple of my students came and then I, 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 I took our dog in the car and drove across country during the pandemic and my wife and child flew. And, um, so anyway, and, and, and along the line of just to finish up my little narrative here along the line is that, um, you know, my father had gotten cancer, my, my, uh, my aunt, my great aunt, I uh, got pancreatic cancer. Um, I got to know a lot of my parents' friends who unfortunately were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it was really touching for me because these people would reach out to me looking for answers, you know. And I know a lot of what Project Purple is about, what you're about, you know, is, 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 is hope, is not just trying to get, 
you know, discoveries done and get things done and kind of break the silos of academic institutions. But, you know, I think sometimes you, you sort of give, um, you have to give people transparent. You, you, I know you really, and I love that you love that word, you know, sort of transparent hope, if you will, and, and be sort of um, honest with them. And so it's, it's, it's a tough business to be in, but I, do, I will finally say that the challenge intellectually is amazing. I think the emotional connection is kind of amazing. And I think, as you know better than anything else, the community, although it's small, and when I when I say the community, I'm not talking the researchers, the clinicians, people like you, Dino, are incredible. Uh, Mrs. Hirschberg, who we both know and love, who's incredible. Tons of people, you know, all these organizations that we're all, you know, um, think highly of. Um, it's kind of an incredible community. You know, it's it's just, you know, obviously I feel it unique connection to you, Dino, but it's like, you know, right off the bat, it's like you meet someone like us and it's like, okay, we're, um, my friend, Bruce Platt is a big, uh, I call him, he's a big purple warrior. Um, you know, it's like, you just realize, okay, this is, this is, this is kind of my brother or sister in arms in this, and, and we're going to, you know, trying to make a difference. And now I'm at a point in my career to summarize that I'm really trying to think of like, you know, what can I do that's really going to, you know, with my, with my, you know, partner who, you know, um, my big collaborator, Michael Fishfine, who's at Hopkins and here is what are we going to do to really make a difference? Um, you know, and we feel like we've made some discoveries, but there's programs and other things I've talked about um, that I think can make a difference. So hope I didn't go on too long with that intro. No, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I got a couple questions here for you, though. And so I, you know, I'll throw this out first, when, when we first met and you, and I remember you telling me the story about, you know, moving from Philly and, you know, where you had great cheesesteaks. So we'll, we'll, that could be another podcast is how the food is out in Oregon. <laughs> I know the food is good, but uh, I don't know if you found like a good cheesesteak out there as, as you know, we're, we don't, we don't record I have, video here, I have but a you're great smiling. Story for that if we have time. <laughs> I have a great story, but go ahead. Um, but I didn't realize that you brought some folks from your lab, which is just really wild, man. That's that's so awesome to hear because, you know, I know just like any business, you know, doctors, you know, accountants leave accountant firms, lawyers leave firms and they go, you know, and they don't necessarily take their staff with them. Not in all cases, right? And I, I remember when I was in the financial services business, I was an internal wholesaler, so I had an outside sales guy. And what you would see is a lot of outside sales guys go to like from equitable to prudential, but just the guy would leave, not the internal workings, which, you know, in any team, there's never just like in any success, I, no one's ever successful by themselves, right? There's a team behind them. So to know that you brought a lot of your team over with you is so awesome because you still have all the nuts and bolts, right? Like everything just comes with you, you know, and you're able to continue the success and continue to grow and continue to mentor and continue to do all the great things you were doing. So it's just fascinating. I didn't know that piece. I thought you kind of like, you know, went as yourself and built a lab there in OHSU. And that, that makes me even more excited to know that you brought all the nuts and bolts, not to, you know, use, I'm just using that analogy, not to, to call the lab right. folks, the nuts and bolts, but I know from meeting with so many people, like how important it is the back end you know, of, of that team, you know, as you said, like, you know, you use the analogy with basketball. I mean, you know, that's like taking, you know, the best player in the NBA and just throwing them on the worst team without the rest of the pieces, right? It's a team that comes together to, to make great things happen and to win championships and to conquer cancer. You need all those pieces. So it's just awesome to know that. Well, Dino, you're, you're, thank you for bringing that up and, and, you know, not surprising that you're, you're getting to, you know, you're, you're asking a great question, a very unique question, because, you know, what I would say about that, which is really interesting, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm being transparent. Maybe I, I wear my emotions on my, my sleep too much. It gets me a little emotional when you say that, because look, yeah, as you know, I have a young child and, and both my wife and my side of the family are in Washington and Philadelphia. So, and our child is the only, for the moment, is the only grandchild on either side. And look what we did. We left, we left both grandparents, you know, at the time it was a two-year-old and, yeah. you know, obviously I'm subjective, but he was super cute. 
Um, <laughs> and so we took, we took, we took the two-year-old and, you know, um, and myself and we moved across country, but to your point, it's like, so I extracted my personal family, but I actually were able to take two really core people who one Grace McCarthy, which you, you've given me a chance to mention her name, who's graduating in June with her PhD, who is amazing, incredible. And she's done, she's doing incredible work that, you know, she'll, she'll soon publish. Um, and she actually is so passionate about what we're doing that I think she thinks she can make a better difference if she goes into science policy. Um, and I would actually say to you that at, at some point, if you need someone um, to talk about, you know, politics and science policy on the pop, a podcast, who's a researcher, she would be a great person to, to chat with. But my point is, is they came with me, you know, and these are, these are, these were young, two young women who were leaving their families to come out here to believe in the system and what we're doing here. Um, as we left our family and they came, I felt so bad. We're, I was actually recently reminiscing with the, um, this graduate student is we came out here in the summer, moved the lab. There was a pandemic there was a lot of political craziness happening, you know, all over, but Portland happened to be a hot spot, if you mm -hmm. remember, at least on, at least on the news. Um, and on top of it, when things started settling down, there were fires here and <laughs> I we're setting up the lab and these two, um, brilliant students call me up one day and I look outside with my, you know, my wife and it looks like it's Mars here. I mean, it's gorgeous now. <laughs> looking out over the river and you can see Mount Hood. But but then it was like we looked outside and I literally thought we were on Mars. And they call me and they say, do you think it's OK if we fly back, you know, east? And, you know, and they're feeling bad because we're setting up the lab and everything. Yeah. And, you know, now it's cut to now and we're really humming along and moving forward. But um, I'm just highlighting that you really you picked up something that's like now I can almost like laugh and talk about it because yeah. it's like two years later. And Samantha Brown is, you know, she's like a scientific leader at a, at a, at a company called CoBio where they're developing new therapeutics. And so she came with me and then Grace McCarthy is going to graduate in June. And now we have an additional um, three really great talented graduate students here who joined our lab. Um, who are going to get their PhDs, um, which is to me, again, one of the, besides the discovery, training the next generation of scientists and having them come through our environment and our system um, is, is the best. It's really the best because you really see, like I saw Grace went from the time she joined the lab till now, like I really believe she's someone that she can do whatever she wants if she puts her mind to it. And it's, it, you know, that that's, that's the best. And the fact that she was believed in us and trust the process um, to come out here is, is important. So anyway, I, you I made it. a great comment. Not I, I, I love touched it. Touched a good nerve there. I, I love it uh, yeah. because, you know, there, there's, there's only a, a finite number of scientists in this space. As, as big as we think the space is, it's not that big, right? And I, I think that the real key to this, and I've always said from our perspective is, you know, we can write checks and, you know, which allow researchers to do the research and hire additional staff. But, you know, it's, it's awesome to hear because you are encouraging and recruiting that next generation, that next wave. And this is a, it's a numbers game. We know this, this is just a sheer numbers game. The more money we have, the more researchers we have, um, the more, you know, um, discoveries we are going to make the, the, we need more people in this space. And so it's just awesome to hear, you know, that you're able to do that. And, you know, just to, to go back to what you said about, you know, grace going into science policy, you know, I've always said there's, this is a three-legged problem, you know, or it, 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 not a three-legged problem, but how we hopefully defeat the problem is if we have all three legs of the stool working, which are government, right? Which is that policy piece, you know, to get that, um, you know, the institutions to work together and then philanthropy. And then, you know, I guess we could throw four in there, which would be pharma, right? You know, so if we have all those pieces working together and in tandem, 
then we can make great strides and we, and this can change really quick for a lot of families you know that are going through this day in day out so um, it's critical to have all those pieces kind of working in tandem i think we're getting there and to some degree um as you know and and you know we'll probably get into a little bit of the you know the pharma piece and you know i think the government um you know, sees the need, but I, I know the, you know, not to get on a soapbox here, but you know, there, there's so many cancers, uh, that are, that are asking for funds. Right. And so it becomes kind of hard and it gets a little bit diluted in the sense that I see, you know, cause the breast cancer folks are there, uh, the ovarian cancer folks are there, the brain cancer, the lung cancer. So how do we create bandwidth, um, in the pancreatic cancer space? And I hope that's one thing that this podcast does, you know, um, we know the statistics of the disease, but we hope that this podcast raises awareness to the person that, you know, will will present pancreatic cancer or, you know, will will raise awareness for pancreatic cancer because now they know a little bit more about it and how deadly this disease is. And also hear from the people on the front lines trying to find a cure. As you said, you know, you brought two, you added three, but I'm sure you could use like four more people, right? Yeah. <laughs> so on that no, I, I, you mentioned something before and, and I wrote it down here and I, and I want to kind of go back to it is how do we do this better? I mean, you, you've been in the business, the pancreatic cancer business for quite some time. I'm not going to ask you to age yourself here because that would be rude, but you know, and, and I, I recently saw something from AACR, which was uh, the big cancer meeting that was just down in New Orleans. And I know there was a presentation down there. I think there, there was a slew of folks that presented. And I think what the topic was kind of like, you know, why are we where we are? And I, and I think probably I'm doing an yeah. injustice to that. I think Dr. Hollingsworth was part of that presentation. Um, you know, and I always kind of, you know, recently I've had a couple of, uh, long-term survivors that are kind of struggling a bit, you know, and I say long-term they're five, five years and eight years from the start of their journey with pancreatic cancer. And they're still on chemotherapy treatments and, you know, they're having a rough patch at it. And, and they had asked the question to me, like, Hey, like, how come we don't have any, anything new and exciting or anything game changing? And so my question to you is how do we do better since you brought it up and, and given, you know, those, those couple bullets that I just threw out there, you know, being with your experience and, and what you've seen, you know, throughout the time that you've been in the space, how, how can we do better? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's a, it's a fantastic question. Um, and I often think, I think about this and, and you, you know, I, I was at the American association of cancer research meeting. I, did a panel on um, surgeon scientists, and I was at the, the discussion that you were at, including um, my basic science chair, Lisa Cousins, the president now of the AACR for this year. Um, and so it was, it was exciting being around 17,000 scientists. Um, you know, we're all vaccinated, and so far it seems like we're all okay. And, um, <laughs> But it was it was a little that was a little shocking. It was also a little shocking seeing um, the science. But I, I, you know, I had I've discussed this with a lot of people. It's you know, I, I the way I kind of view it, and, and probably one is a little more like provocative way of thinking about it than the other. But you know, the simple one of the simple answers, and maybe the less provocative way, which is probably more of the truth, um, I'll mention first, is that. I think this is a really um, complicated disease. And, you know, I, I think there are, like you said, it's a small space, but there are, as you know, because I know you've met a lot of them, a lot of really smart people thinking about this. And there are a lot of really smart labs and people in their labs and trainees and, um, and, and just, you know, a uh, lot of people thinking about this stuff, a lot of, lot of drugs being tested, a lot of different strategies being tested a um, lot of aspects of the, the tumor. And I guess the new term that we're talking about is, which sounds a little bit out there, but like the ecosystem or the tumor microenvironment. microenvironment yep. Yeah. We're, we're, we're understanding the complexity of it. it's something that actually my lab's starting to get into through Grace's work. Um, so, and I think, you know, the whole aspect, again, I don't want to get too technical about the immune aspects and people debate if, if we can actually make it sort of an immune targeted um, cancer, can we make that better? 
So, I mean, the simple answer is that, to be honest with you, I, I think that as far as problems are out in the world, and I know we have a lot of them, including, uh, you know, COVID and Ukraine and everything else, um, this is a this is a this is a complicated problem, you know, and and um, I think when you look at the molecular details and aspects of each individual tumor, and so you know we talk about I don't want to keep throwing these science words out there, but like heterogeneity, like the differences and how we're all different and every person's different, and we're trying to find some common aspects to everyone's tumor. I think that there's a lot of like complex heterogeneity to each of these tumors. And I think it's very hard to, now I'll start moving more towards provocative. It's very hard to, for pharmaceutical companies to really get their arms around kind of this personalized approach that I think we need for each tumor, right? Because if you're already talking somewhat compared to breast cancer, a rare type of cancer that, you know, 50 to 60,000 people will be diagnosed in this U.S. for pancreatic cancer, but, you know, women will be much more affected by breast cancer, mm -hmm. um, you know, at least five-fold more. Um, the, the, you know, the question from the pharmaceutical company is, well, if you're telling me that only 5% of that uh, 50 or 60,000, you might have, a, you know, they start, I, again, I'm being very political, they start doing the back of the envelope calculation, right? Is that worth it for us mm -hmm. um, to do that? And so then you start getting into the politics on medicine on that. And I think when you combine the fact that things are so complex, you combine the fact that we are, you know, finding needles in the haystack and, you know, maybe we're not getting home runs, but we're getting single singles. It, it takes a lot of the academics and kind of the researchers and people like you and me to sort of get excited about kind of these smaller ideas that will then hit the bigger ideas. Um, and, you know, of course, in this day and age, I think people really want to go for the, they, they, they want, they want the big home runs. They want the grand slams, right. They want um, those, the news to go. And again, this is a complex thing to discuss with someone who was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. You know, the, you know, the transparent aspect is, is having that hard conversation that, you know, this is a, this is a complex tumor. And, um, you know, we're not only finding that we want to target the cancer cells in there, but there's might be cells around there that we need to navigate, um, in order to do so. That's maybe a little bit more the provocative side, and then even to be even more provocative, which is maybe for another podcast, we need to think about institutions and agencies and how do we break down these barriers that I know that I think we and you sort of talked talked about, whether it's regulations or um, even even like academic promotion and how people are viewed and publication and you know, even I, I dare say, you know, even the politics and people who know each other um, in the field, you know, how do we just make it more objective? So always the best science wins and that there's no other political elements that are involved. As you know, in any field, I think that's that's always a struggle. But, you know, when oh, yeah. I, what, what upsets me is that when you're talking about people's lives, you know, um, don't. I, I, people get mad at me for using this term. My one of my other friends who we do, we, we, we dabbled in a, a podcast. You know, I, I, I talk about this concept of being a careerist mm -hmm. and that I feel like there's scientists and then there's careerists. And, you know, I think to be honest with you, we all struggle with it because we want to stay viable and we want to, you know, we, we realize that we can't just be, be the, um, <laughs> I, I'll go back to it, uh, you know, be the Ben Simmons who sort of yeah. just says, hey, you know, I don't need to play. Correct. I'm going to take my ball and go home. We all don't have that luxury, right? Yeah. So um, uh, anyway, you get my point. I probably a long winded answer for you. But. No, I, I, I think you hit the nail right on top of the head. I mean, this is a super complex disease. And I, I think, you know, for audience listening at home and, and you know, for the, the families that are going through it, that have gone, you know, that are going through it, I think that's a, that's a tough understanding because I think what, what people see, and, and I can speak to this to my perspective, been in this space 12 years, 
mother had pink, uh, mother had breast cancer twice, totally different experience. Uh, my dad had pancreatic cancer. We lost him to PC stage two. My mom was stage two breast cancer. She's still alive. You know, now we're going on six years from her, you know, second, you know, stage, well, first time was stage one, second time was stage two, but she's, you know, alive and kicking, living a great life six years post, right. Where my dad, you know, stage two, um, you know, we had three and a half years and, you know, really three years of, 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 you know, I would, I wouldn't say quality, but, you know, of life with him beyond that di initial diagnosis. So, you know, it's super complex. And I think that's the frustrating thing, you know, again, for, for families in it, you know, because we see 60 minutes and you see these success with immunotherapy, with other cancers, we see lung cancer with advancements, but, you know, the complexity of this disease and for the amount of experts that I've spoke to on this podcast and off air, it is just so complex. And I think that's really hard. And, and naturally in the, in the fairness of the clinicians, that's a really hard conversation. And, and honestly, I don't, you know, to have with a patient when at diagnosis, John, and I, I think also, and I've always said this to, as a patient advocate, like when you go to the doctor, you want really three people there. You want you as the patient, you want your spouse, you know, to, to, to be there for you. But then you want that third person that really doesn't have an emotional con connection to you guys uh, to some degree, because you want them to listen to take everything in. Because the reality is, is the patient and the loved one are not listening at all. They hear cancer and they check out, right? They're not listening to anything else. And so, you know, that's the challenge, uh, you know, again, is is the complexity of this disease. And, and I think, you know, naturally the media, whether it's newspaper, you know, uh, podcast or, you know, the news that you watch at night, I'm sure they're probably not going to share all the, the, the trials and tribulations of drugs that get to a certain point. I know, you know, in this space, it's been a challenge to get to, you know, clinical trials, phase, successful phase three clinical trials, right? We've seen, I've seen in the last 12 years, you know, the, the struggles that's been, but, you know, we always hear, like I said, the 60 minutes, you know, piece on, you know, this immunotherapy project at Duke that worked wonders for brain cancer. And, you know, they had one patient with pancreatic cancer out of, you know, they don't tell you, you know, I think I read it was eventually it was like one, pa one patient success with pancreatic cancer out of like 150 years on, you know, so does it really, you know, can we, yes, it's success for that one person. I'm not trying to take that away, but bigger picture, you know, it, it, it's still really complex and still really a struggle. Um, but I know that's hard. That's, that's really hard for a patient who's battling right now to hear that. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a great, you, you really articulated that well. And I, you know, from my point of view, I've been in this business, you know, I was my I don't know if I said it was my, it was my 25th American Association of Cancer Research meeting that I'd been to. Wow. So I I've been at this for a while, but one of the honors and but also frustration and excitement and disappointment that I've gotten involved in, in in my work here is that I work closely with surgeons. And the surgeon I worked with at Jefferson, I worked with a close surgeon here. And because of that, and because of these relationships, I've gotten involved with some of these patients. And, you know, my, again, my, my, my old chair, um, Dr. Yo used to introduce me, like, oh, this is my, you know, this is a brilliant scientist who, you know, I want to introduce you. And so I would get involved with these, you know, and get to know and become friends with some of these patients. And to your point of how it's so important to have these people is they're looking. So I, I, I love engaging with them because I do think what you're saying is, is, you know, that journey when you're getting diagnosed and you know, from both your parents and I know from my father that when you get that news, when you get that phone call, all of a sudden you're realizing you're, you're going on a journey, you're going on a hike that um, you don't know where it's going and you hope it ends well. And you hope that, you know, but you almost can't even think that far ahead, right? You can't even think, did I bring enough water with me? I'm using that metaphor, but it's like, you, 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 you go into something that like you're, you, you feel like you got punched in the stomach and there's no emotion that you, there's nothing I can articulate that emotion. And so when you get to the point and things settling and you get into a point where you're gathering information and people, you know, talk to you and they look for us as scientists, and especially in this day and age, right? I mean, there was a task force that was created at ACR, Dave Tuveson helped, um, I think set this up of like, you know, finding the truth in science, mm -hmm. you know, that how do we get the, how do we get society to start trusting us? Right. 
And so even to this point in pancreatic cancer, like you're saying with BC is like, you know, why should, why should the patient population, why should people trust us? But at the same time, when these people go on this journey and we're, we're their sort of beacon of hope, I, it, it's an honor to work with them. And I try to be transparent, as you know, but at the same time, it, it, when I, when I, it keeps me up at night because I'm like, we need to do better. And how do we do better against this, you know, difficult though? And we are doing better. I mean, again, I, I, I want to be a little bit positive that even though, like you said, it's very complex where we are today from where we are a year ago or even 10 years ago. And I know we're, you know, we kind of talk about how we're improving patient survival. The knowledge of what we know of this thing is I actually think we, we can crack it. And I, and, and, um, you know, that's, if I didn't think, if I think if, if it was something we couldn't, you know, make a difference with, then, you know, why spend so much time on it? I actually think we can make a difference. There's some exciting clinical trials out there. There's some great preclinical work. You know, I, I, I think, I think it's, it's going to be one of these things that's, you know, wow. You know, and I, 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 for some reason, you know, connecting it to like politics and, you know, um, money and everything. I mean, just think about it, even though it's kind of taken on itself, like think about this whole thing now with um, EV cars, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 years ago, or even like, you know, what we're doing with our phones now, you know, you never would have thought that this would happen. And I actually think that there are, it didn't just happen overnight. And I think this is the same thing with what we're learning about pancreatic cancer. We're making some advances. There's some really cool discoveries out there, not just, you know, specifically not just in my lab, but in many labs. And I think as we come together as a community, I think um, that we're, we're going to chip away at this and there's going to be, there's going to be some, I I like to think there's going to be some Lambar moments um, in the future. I love it. I love it. So I've got a a couple questions here left for us here, but my, my, uh, my first one and, and right on this topic, I give you a blank check where and why. That that's like the, 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 you know, now we're dreaming big here. We're dreaming big. So. Yeah. So, so t- I'll, I'll do two quick things. I know, I know um, we're almost at the hour, but I, but I think that the going back to what I said and, and going full circle is that I do think that there are elements and I don't want to get too in the weeds on it. There are elements of a personalized approach. There are elements of us being able to, brand these tumors as not just PC or pancreatic cancer, but actually subtyping them. And people have shown that they can subtype them. But I, I guess my point is, is that whether it's a BRCA1, BRCA2 mutation, or whether it's a name of the subtype that we're calling it, I think we're going to be able to, in real time, subtype people's tumors and even be able to follow how they change, the personality of these tumors change so that we could stay, um, you know, um, stay ahead of it and, and actually treat it and almost treat it like maybe even it's a chronic disease that people can live with. So what I would continue to do is do that. Now, the other thing is, is that I grew up, as I mentioned, Scott Kern's name, kind of grew up coming of age as a cancer geneticist. And that's, you know, I think the mutations that drive it are very important, but we study um, something that we call um, in the non-coding region, or we call it post-transcriptional gene regulation, which is a little bit different than the standard genetics. It's beyond the genetics. You know, some people call it broadly epigenetics. Or, um, and I think as we understand those things and how therapy treats um, and changes the tumor, you know, there's great work by Christine Acabuzio as a Memorial Sloan Catarine who. Um, Initially, when she was in Baltimore, you know, she studies the evolution of these tumors. And she she found basically that, like, the first mutation that happens in a pancreatic cancer that before it forms could happen maybe 20 years before it presents itself, roughly. And so if you think about it, if it takes, and that's why, you know, typically pancreatic cancer is a disease of, you know, people in their six, seven, you know, eight decades of life. So if it takes that long, and that cancer in general is, is an age-related disorder, mm-hmm. you know, disease, and if it takes longer for those things to develop and select and Darwinian select for mutations, 
it, so under under the you know the same way we develop under the different pressures we put it under think about what happens once we start treating the cancer we start selecting for darwinian the the strong will survive right and so what i want to go after is how to break that sort of therapeutic resistance um in, in a way that once we start treating it all of a sudden we're we're creating a new beast even though we're bringing it down it's those maybe um little group of cells that that survived the therapy that we need to be worried about. And so um, it, it's a difficult thing to study, but I think that we have some ideas in which to do it. And so those are the things I would work on, including the fact of really trying to figure out. So again, I'll just end with the, the fact that we know that a subset of tumors, as you know, um, are either driven by or um, are related to, let's say, BRCA1, BRCA2 mutations. The problem is, is that they're infrequent, right? So maybe um, that's why people, um, or again, being political, the pharmaceutical companies may not be as interested in pancreatic cancer with it. We do have some drugs to treat it. But what we need to do is not look at our own institutions, whether it's OHSU or Jefferson or you know, somewhere in, in another country or New York or whatever, we need to break down those walls and just say, you know what, we have these tumors, let's share this information. And in fact, once we realize what the best therapy is, let's have a global clinical trial here so that we don't have to wait every two, you know, accrue someone three every year. So we have to wait five, 10 years to figure out whether this works. We, we, we owe the patients more than that. And, um, I, so I would put that into that sense of urgency. That's a, that's a great segue. Cause I, I know, you know, through collaboration, great things can happen. And, um, you know, off the air, we were talking about a couple projects potentially coming down the pike here in the next couple of months that hopefully, uh, you know, we may see through fruition in terms of collaborating and, you know, working on those things. I mean, it, it's so fascinating, you know, as you said, you know, to, to get these tumors, you know, if, if they start at 20 years, you know, just think that, you know, we have all, we have this large mass of population of people walking around, not even knowing that this problem exists. And if we can get to them earlier and we can uh, find treatments that work, what a game changer that could be. And, and to your point, this is where I get excited because I, I think this can happen a lot sooner than a lot of people think, right? In the terms of, you know, there's so many labs, um, which is exciting, you know, 12 years that I've been in the space. I know you've been in it a lot longer, but, you know, there, there's just so much excitement and, and so much energy, I feel now more than I've seen in the last 12 years. And I don't know if, if maybe that's like a, I wouldn't say COVID hangover, but maybe like the COVID and, and and I'm not trying to downplay the the seriousness of COVID here on the podcast, but you know it, it did seem like for a little while like everything was COVID, and I think that kind of gave the PC space a little kick in the butt um, to kind of like amplify things and to to get you know things moving. Um, like, hey, we're still here, don't forget us. And you know, we said you know the one thing that didn't happen during the pandemic was that cancer stopped. Right, and and I think it kind of invigorated the space a bit, and and really, there's a lot of exciting things happening. So, I love it. It's awesome. My last question here for you, and then we're going to share with our audience where they can connect with you. And I will uh, we'll tee this up a little bit. This is a loaded question. Um, it's not easy, okay. uh, but this is your definition, and and it's it's really uh, how you define the word pancreatic cancer. Ooh, that's really, uh, that is, that is, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough question because I, I don't want to just define it. I'll say it out loud. You might want something more succinct, but I don't want to just define it as really something that's just this terrible foe, you know, that we just want to crack and whatever, because you know, to me, the fascinating thing about cancer and, and some other diseases is, right, it's, it originates from one cell, right? And we've even talked about how the genetics could drive it and genetics could be passed down and, and, and drive it. And 
So I don't always want to view it as something negative. And at the same time, that even though this is not a journey that I would wish that you had to deal with, with, you know, with your parents or that I had to deal with people that I know, or just anyone, we, anyone out there who is actually going through this has to deal with. Um, maybe I'm being a little bit too optimistic, but, you know, I, I, I want to view that as, you know, that, that, that in that darkness, right. There's some beauty in life and beauty in connection. Um, so I, I preamble that by sort of saying is that I don't want to view that if someone has pancreatic cancer or they're diagnosed with it, or they don't really want to be listening to this podcast because they feel like they, they picked the wrong lottery pick, pick, ticket. Um, I, I want to remind people that cancer is somewhat part of us and this is part of our journey. Um, and maybe I'm not articulating it well, but there is something about that. And I think in the survivors that I talk to out there, there's a real beauty in that. And there's a real understanding about their journey that they sort of embrace, um, that they own, that they're, it's theirs. It's part of their life and their family's life. Um, my definition of it is that I do think, as I've always said with cancer, it's, it's a little bit of, um, as we know in all of our lives or something, it's a view of some, some, some sort of biology kind of going wrong. And, you know, it, 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 it kind of misbehaved a little bit, some of these cells and they kind of get off and they go to, you know, neighborhoods that they don't really, aren't really sort of welcomed in and they sort of, you know, wreck havoc. And I think that our job and my job as a scientist and as a community and together as it, it takes a real village is we need to figure out um, how to make sure we find that early so we can correct the problem. And I think you nicely said that, and I know you put a lot of work into that is how can we detect these things early so that we can, you know, give them therapy and, and you know, literally, you know, fix them earlier because of the earlier that we can correct these things, um, the easier it is to treat, obviously, and um, and then and then hopefully make sure that this you know that that this this bad biology gets corrected in a way that um, it doesn't affect anything. But it's a, it's it's an it it's it it's something that unfortunately randomly chooses um, its you know its victims and. Um, for that, you know, more than anything in the world, there has to be some justice about that. And I think if we can move forward with either the legacy of all the people we've either lost to this disease or try to help people currently moving forward, um, you know, that, that, you know, to me, that's, that's the ultimate pipeline dream. That's not just a dream now. I think it's truly a, a possibility. So, um, I hope you, that is a really tough question. And then I, I, I tried not to just, you know, say that in a way, even though a lot of people out there kind of view it as this dragon they want to get rid of. And certainly um, no one hates it more than me as I, I like to view it as also that I want to be really respectful that, um, you know, that the, 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 the people who have it, it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate, it's dark, and we need to make sure that justice is made, but um, it is part of who we are. And um, it's not that anyone deserves it. And so um, I'm, I'm honored and grateful every day that I can you know, work on this and work with people like you um, to try to really move the needle. It's powerful stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just along for the journey. So it's, it's my honor, uh, Dr. Brody here to, to be able to, to share all the great things you're doing there at OHSU and all the great things you've done in the, in the PC space. Uh, it's motivating, it's exciting, and, uh, the future is bright. So our last thing here, um, we've been, we've been talking here for almost 50 minutes here. And, uh, if someone listening whether they're out on the West Coast or maybe here on the East Coast or somewhere in the middle of the country, uh, wants to learn more about all the great things you're doing there at uh, OHSU, where's the best place to kind of learn more or connect with you if there's something that they heard that uh, kind of sparked their interest and, they, and they'd love to talk further with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm please just email me. So it's Brody B R O D O B R O D Y J at OHSU.edu. Um, if you put friend friend of Dino, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 make sure that it's prioritized. But um, I'm always happy to to sort of talk to anyone. And you know what the, what the great thing is about this is we get so stuck in studying our scientific aspects of this disease and trying to help things out. You know, I really applaud you for not everything you you do, but like doing these podcasts because making me and others sort of think with these hard questions about really what it's about, you know, what, why do we want to, you know, work extra hard and work extra hard to get that grant or try to um, motivate our lab and try to come up with creative ideas. You know, everything you brought up here is, is really what it's about. And, um, you know, if, if I was a little, uh, taken aback and, and got a little emotional there is because you ask great questions. And I think that this is an emotional topic um, that's very sacred to, to many people. And um, again, honors mine. And, uh, you know, uh, thanks again for the invitation. Dr. Brody, it was awesome to have you on the podcast. I know we're going to be hopefully hearing more and more from you in the future here at Project Purple. And uh, from all of us here at Project Purple, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for all you do in the pancreatic cancer space. As I said, it's uh, it's inspiring to know uh, that there's folks out there like yourself, and there, there's many others. But you know, you're here on the podcast, so we're going to give you credit. You know, teaming up to work together as a team, regardless of institution, uh, to move the science along to help patients and their families get through this journey with pancreatic cancer. So thank you for, uh, for all you do. And thank you for being guests on the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the project purple podcast. If you like what you hear today, feel free to share this podcast and follow the project purple podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the project purple podcast. Yeah.